It's good to be here again and um, sharing with you from the Word of God. And um, yeah, so we're looking at uh, hosting the presence of God. And um, today I will be looking at empowered by His presence. And um, to look at this uh, this particular topic or this particular place, I kind of like came up with an outline of into three parts. And so I divided it into three parts. Okay. And so to look at it, we'll start with the first part, and which is um, the Old Testament. So what it was like, or what the presence of God was like in the Old Testament. And so from the book of Judges, from the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 34, um, this is a story about Gideon. I'm just going to come back to it. But I just want to state that in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, the Spirit of God would come upon a chosen man or a chosen woman or whoever the Lord wanted to use for a specific task. The Spirit of God would come upon them to be able to fulfill that. Okay? But um, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, did not indwell this people. Why? Because this was the dispensation where Adam sinned. And um, when Adam sinned in the garden, he created the vacuum in our heart. You know, right from the beginning, we know that God, when God created man, he brings his life into him. And God's intention was to have fellowship with man, and it was from our spirit. So the spirit of God was indwelling there. But when the fall happened, and man gave way to sin, and sin entered, what happened was that there was a vacuum that was created. So God did not inhabit man, okay? He didn't dwell in us. But the Spirit of God would come upon a man to fulfill a task, okay? So we're in the Old Testament, and um, the Spirit of God will come upon a man and he'll be able to do what God intended. We see that in Samson, we see that in Gideon, we see that in Elijah, we see that in Elisha. All these people, though they did great and mighty things by their faith in God, but they didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So we see this here, then the, the Midianites and the Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together and they crossed over and encountered the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezerites gathered behind him. So the Spirit of God came upon prior to this and all that. It's a story about Gideon and the children of Israel, what they were doing and what they were going through. Anyway. And so God's Spirit came upon Gideon for him to be able to go out and do what God wanted him to do. And that was to secure the Israelites from the Midianites at that time. Okay? And so we move down to the second part. The second part is that it's in the coming of Jesus, in Jesus' life, before Jesus came from Genesis all the way down to Malachi, those were prophecies about the coming of Jesus, the promise. Okay, God made a promise that he was going to redeem man. He was going to put his spirit again back into man. And for God to do that, God had to become man in the person of Jesus and came 
and he walked upon this earth. We'll see in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, there's scriptures say Jesus being found. I'm just going to quickly read it so it can give you an understanding of what I'm talking about. If you have your Bibles, please can you open with me to Philippians chapter 2. Let's look at that together. Philippians chapter 2. And I'll read verse from verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a one servant, and coming in the likeness of man. Jesus came just like you and I, but he was God. Okay? But oh, he is God. Pardon me. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross, on the cross. The death of the cross. Hallelujah. So we see that um, God had a redemption, a, a redemption plan. And it was going to happen through Jesus. So in the time of Jesus, what happened was that when Jesus came, scriptures record in Luke there that he grew in stature and he grew in wisdom. Okay? So we know the story of Jesus. At age 12, he was found in the temple already discussing with people who were way older than him. But, you know, he later went back with his parents and he grew in stature and wisdom. That means Jesus was at an age, he was growing in his years, but he was growing in wisdom. That means he was growing in his knowledge of God, he was studying the scriptures, he was reading, he was growing in knowledge. Okay? And we find in John chapter 1, verse 33. So this is John. John the Baptist, we know he is the forerunner of Jesus. He came before Jesus. He came to announce the coming of Jesus. And here it says, I did not know him, he's talking about Jesus, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, remaining on him. I need you to remember to remember that, okay? Remaining on him. This is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, I said from Genesis to Malachi, we have the prophets, we have the um, we have the leaders that God raised up. They all prophesied as, um, that a couple of them that's very vivid, like Isaiah and all that, but they prophesied about Jesus coming. And John, the final one, was saying that he didn't know Jesus. That, that means he did Jesus was John's cousin, okay? But he didn't know Jesus, that he didn't know Jesus, he meant he didn't know Jesus after the spirit. He knew him after the flesh, meaning that he knew Jesus, that he saw Jesus, but he didn't know that Jesus was the savior of the world. But he said that the person that sent him, being God, said that the one you see, the spirit descending and remaining on him. He is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So John was, he identified Jesus by the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God that he saw come upon Jesus. So we see that in Jesus' life, Jesus was fully God and fully man. But from the 
place we read in Philippians, it says that Jesus put aside his godly privileges. So that means when Jesus walked on the earth, he didn't walk as God on the earth. He walked as a man on the earth. But he was full of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He had the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And he had that to model to us what the new creation in Christ is going to look like. The new creation in Christ was going to have the indwelling presence of God. So Jesus was modeling that to us. He was showing us what it meant to have the Holy Spirit leading you. Acts chapter 10 verse 30 says there, uh, Peter was speaking there and he says, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing all, healing the sick and doing all the other things that he did. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit for him to be able to do the things that God wanted him to do. So we see that even though that Jesus was God, he couldn't do the things that he did without the Holy Spirit. He had to be filled with the Holy Spirit for him to be able to step out and do the things that God would have him do. Likewise us, we need the filling of the Holy Spirit in order for us to walk in anything that God has. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. He's the one who brings conviction in your heart. You cannot say that Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says you can't. No man that says that, the, that Jesus is Lord says it without the Holy Spirit. So virtually, if you are saved, you were saved because the Holy Spirit brought a conviction to your heart and then you believed in it and then you surrendered to Jesus. That is how you get saved. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. It says that you believe with your heart. You make confession with your mouth. What do you believe? You believe that Jesus Christ he came as a man. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 3 to 5. He came as a man he died on the cross. On the third day, he rose from the dead. Okay? So, in Jesus rising, we, we were brought into new life. That means the old has gone and the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have gone and the new things have come. Hallelujah. So in the new creation, we'll find that it is, it's very apparent for you to understand that there are two experiences that you have if you're a believer. And I just want to stress that because sometimes it can be confusing. So in, the, in, in our walking with the Spirit of God, in the life of a believer, someone who is saved, when I say a believer, I mean someone who is saved, who has received Jesus in their heart genuinely and has repented of their sins. Hallelujah. So he said the new birth, the, I mean the, the, the believer that, that is in the new creation, there's two things that happen. That's the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit we'll find that there is a distinction in these two because Paul will meet some people in the book of Acts chapter 19 
And I'm going to read that quickly so you can understand what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 19, from verse. You can open your Bible and join me and read. Okay? So, Paul will find these people in Corinth. And he said, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That was a question from Paul. So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. These are people who are believers. And Paul, and Paul, what did Paul say to them? And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who was to come after him, that is Christ Jesus. Then Philip says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That means the gospel was preached to them by Paul. He said, oh, okay, you heard about John, but actually the real I am is Jesus. Now you need to believe on Jesus for you to be saved. What they knew was about John, okay? And so Paul preached to them about this. And verse 6, said, And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Hallelujah. So we see that the new birth, the new birth is, is a, a walking, is, is something that walks in the, in the believer that blesses the believer. Because scriptures will say in John 4, 14, Jesus said, the water that I shall give you shall be in him. That's the believer. A well of water springing up into everlasting life. So that is eternal life. So when we get saved, eternal life is guaranteed in Christ. Okay? And the second one is this. In John 7, 38, it said, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So this outflow of the rivers of water, Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit that was going to be poured out on the church when he has ascended to present the sacrifice before God. Jesus was a, a sacrifice that came to pay for our sins because there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Jesus' blood had to be shed for the whole world but those who don't know it yet, Jesus died for them. You only receive that when you acknowledge it. But did Jesus do it? Yes. He did it for everyone. Not only people who go to church. Jesus died for that person who is there in the club or who is there out there doing all sorts of stuff. Jesus died for them. They just haven't known it yet. And so, on Jesus ascending and presenting himself before the Father, the father was, was, was pleased because Jesus had paid the penalty that was due you and I. And there was the, Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit was going to come. In John 14, in John 14, Jesus said, can you put up this light? And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Holy 
Holy Spirit abides forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees me or knows him, but you are, you know him, for he dwells with you. I need you to remember that with you and will be in you. So at that point in time when Jesus was speaking, Jesus was saying that the Holy Spirit was with him. But that he said the Holy Spirit is going to be in you. There are two there are two different experiences, okay? And so now, in our dispensation as new creations in Christ Jesus, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. We have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and it didn't just come to us for fun. Okay? But it came to be able to fulfill the plan of God. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But tarry ye here until ye be in due power. So that but when the Holy Spirit comes, Let's go there, please. If you have your Bibles, can you just open with me? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This, Jesus was saying this before he, he um, ascended. And he said, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, the person who is saved, for few things. First of all, the book of, when you have time, in your own time, I encourage you to look at the book of Romans chapter 8. It's a book that speaks a lot about the Holy Spirit, the things that the Holy Spirit helps the believer to do and, and all that. But one thing I want to stress out as we look at the things that the Holy Spirit does and the man who has believed is that the Holy Spirit, first of all, in Romans chapter 8 verse 9, Scriptures is clear that he that has not the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you belong to God. So if you're not having that witness in your spirit that you belong to God, it could mean that maybe you're not genuinely saved or that maybe you're doubting your salvation. Okay? So the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God, that we belong to God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, according to Romans chapter 8 verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit leads us. Jesus said that when he comes, he will teach you. He will lead you. He will take of my things and he will reveal them to you. John chapter 16, verse 26, about that. He says he will take of the things that are mine and he will reveal them to you. The Holy Spirit comes to teach us and then to lead us in the things of God. Hallelujah. 
The Holy Spirit quickens us. He quickens us. He quickens our mortal bodies. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says that in the Spirit of Christ, in the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dwells on the inside of you, He will quicken your mortal body. Hallelujah. So there are times where you feel like maybe, ah, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Like, maybe. Like you, 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 you know that your heart is given to maybe pray more, to be more in the world, but you just feel that I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. I'm tired. Oh this, oh that, oh that. But the Holy Spirit, if you would turn to the Spirit of God, if you're born again, if you're saved, if you if you would turn and ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, He's more than willing. To help you to see the things that you haven't seen, to pray in the way that you have not prayed before. And that takes me to the book of Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we ought to pray, how we ought to pray, but he maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be altered. Romans chapter 8, 26 to 27. The Holy Spirit teams up with our spirit. You have to understand, it's not the Holy Spirit that is praying. It's your spirit that is regenerated in Christ, that is praying with the impression from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, from verse 9, he says, The eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. What God has prepared for them that love it. But, in verse 10, he has revealed them to us by His Spirit. He has revealed it by His Spirit. Not by some mysterious thing. By the Holy Spirit who indwells the believer. When you're saved, you get a new spirit. That means if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Peter says it's a divine nature that we get from God. You're a new creation in God. And now the Spirit of God moves into your heart according to Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. He says that God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts. Hallelujah. By which we can cry out our Father. You can't cry out our Father just in the flesh. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 also tells us he bears witness the Holy Spirit that we belong to God. He is the guarantee of our sonship. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14. It says there that he, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is the seal that we will have all that God has destined for us. Hallelujah. And so we see that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. We see that the Holy Spirit helps us to witness to other believers. The Holy Spirit enables us to take telling other people and sharing our faith seriously. You don't want to go to heaven alone. You don't want to get there and it's just you and you. <laughs> The Holy Spirit, Jesus said that 
when the, that the Spirit of God, that you will be witnesses, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ultimate part of the world. The, believe, the apostles probably they didn't go that far, but you and I went that far. Why? Because they obeyed Jesus in the first place. The reason why we're here and we're saved and we know the gospel is because somebody preached it. If nobody told you that Jesus loves you and that Jesus died on the cross for you, he took your sins on himself on the third day as scriptures record, he rose from the dead and he is eternally alive and he has sent forth the spirit into your heart by which you can cry out of Father. If somebody didn't tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will not be saved. And for somebody else to come to the knowledge, the saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the gospel must be preached. Isaiah said, or is it Jeremiah that said, who will go, I mean, I mean, how would they hear if nobody goes out to speak? And how would, they, how would the preacher preach if he is not sent? And we don't need any other thing to send us the great commission. Go ye into the world and preach the gospel. Baptizing them. Hallelujah. So the work of the Holy Spirit is not just to make you feel good. You have to understand that the Spirit of the Lord is not a feeling. You don't get saved by feeling. It's a knowing. It's a work of faith. Christianity is a spiritual thing. You may not think so, but I'm telling you, it is a work of the Spirit from A to Z. Right from Genesis, we see the Holy Spirit. We see the move of the Spirit. We see the, the power of God at work to bring about the indwelling presence of the Lord in man so that man can have fellowship with God, so that man can be an avenue that he can go out and he can express God, that he can go out and he can love other people. Why? Because the Bible is clear. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. That the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. By who? The Holy Spirit. So the whole work from A to Z is by the Spirit of God. And if you're going to live a, a, a life, if you're going to grow in your spiritual life, if you're going to live a life that honors God, you've got to, you have to recognize the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. That he is not a feeling, he's not a goosebump, he's not a dove, he's not a wind, a weird feeling or anything. He is a person, the third person of Trinity. And when you receive Jesus in your heart, you open the door for the Holy Spirit to move into your heart. However, he can be there if you don't ask for help. If you don't interact with him, if you don't speak to him and let him speak to you, if you don't obey what he's saying to you, you can just leave like, like you don't even have him there. You can just leave like 
he's not even there. But I want to tell you that that is not the heart of God for you. Your father wants you to fellowship with him. It's impossible to do it if you don't have him dwelling in you. When Peter spoke to the people in Acts chapter 1 about, the, you know, everything that has happened and all that after the Holy Spirit came, by the way, I wanted to say that the Holy Spirit was released on Pentecost and since then he hasn't gone back. So when we pray, oh Holy Spirit come, no, that is a wrong prayer. Saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit. No, that is a wrong understanding of the Spirit of God's presence. Because the Holy Spirit came and has not gone back. He is here. Even as we speak right now, the Holy Spirit is here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 will tell us that our body is a temple of the living God. If God dwells in your hackums, we think that he's come back. He hasn't. He hasn't gone back. If you're saved and you've believed in Jesus Christ, but you've not been baptized with the Spirit of God, with the evidence in praying in tongues, of praying in tongues, and walking in prophecies, and all the great gifts that we see listed there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, then I want to tell you that you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's going to help you to walk with God. He's the one who's going to help you to navigate this Christian life. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it in your own strength and in your own force. You were not built that way. The new creation was built to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. That is how the new creation was built. And so if you're trying to run the race on your own, you're going to find out very soon that you're going to burn out. And you're going to give up. And you're going to think that all of this is a, is a, is a mirage that deceived me. Oh, they told me I come to God and then I have healing and then I have this and then this works out and this works And then you'll be disappointed because you didn't get what you thought you were going to get. There is a lack of understanding that the Christian life is a spiritual work. It's not a materialistic thing. Not that God is not happy that you got healed or that those things are signs to point you to the real person who is Jesus. Those things are signs that point you to Jesus. That the whole gospel is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Hallelujah. It's all about Jesus. He is the A to Z of everything. Genesis to Revelation is speaking about Jesus. And that here, Paul will crown it in Colossians 1 verse 27. This is the secret that was hidden before the foundation of the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was in the heart of God. To get his son Jesus, to grow us into that. 
that Jesus will dwell in us through faith. So I just want to speak to you who is not saved today, who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is an opportunity for you. You've heard the gospel today being preached. And what is the gospel? Jesus came as a man. He died. On the third day, he rose. And he did it for you so that you will not live in eternal separation from God. But that you will have everlasting life. Not only in this life, there was something Peter Petro said the day we had a meeting. He said that you will have a taste of eternity now. And later, you will continue in it when you go to be with the Father. That is what Jesus is offering you. Eternal life. That you will walk with him. And if you're saved, but you've not been filled with the Spirit of God, you don't think it's important. You don't think it's very necessary for you. I want to let you know that it is very important for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. With evidence of praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says that he that prays in an unknown tongue, he alters mysteries in the spirit. He speaks to God. It's your prayer language. And God is making an invitation to you today. That you can be filled with the Holy Spirit with an evidence of praying in tongues. You don't necessarily have to come to the front, even right there in your seat. If you will believe by faith, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And as it gives you utterances, even though they might not sound normal, because it's not, it's a heavenly language. Except the Lord gives you an interpretation of it, you might not know what you're talking about. But God understands what you're saying, and that's the most important. Who you're speaking to is more important. So I want to let you know that you can receive that as well. You can receive that so that your Christian life can be one that will produce fruits. You alone and you alone will not be in heaven. But there will be more people that will join you there. Hallelujah.